The official reparations task force in California, which entered the union as a free state in 1850, has finally figured out how much money the state owes black people for slavery, which it never even for one second condoned. The number is at least $1.2 million for each black resident. That is the conservative estimate that the economists advising the panel came up with. $1.2 million for each of the two and a quarter million black residents of California, which means that California intends to give $2.7 trillion to black people simply for being black. The real number would likely be much higher though, not only because the $1.2 million number is a conservative estimate, but also because one suspects the total number of payees will increase substantially when people realize that they can make seven figures by moving to California and by stretching their DNA to the limits to identify as black. The annual budget for the state of California is $297 billion, which means that the reparations payout alone would total more than nine times the state's entire budget, which would seem to be a problem even in the best of times, but it's especially a problem now as California is currently running a $22.5 billion budget deficit. Today, California needs to find $22.5 billion a year just to break even. If it wants to pay reparations for slavery, which it never condoned, to people who were never slaves, it will need to come up with a little under 121 times that amount. Now, since, as we have said, California never actually had slavery, the Reparations Committee has had to come up with other reasons as to why the state needs to spend almost a decade's worth of its entire budget paying off random black people. Among the reasons the committee cites are vague health risks of being black, housing discrimination, and my favorite one, mass incarceration, which means that California plans to pay people more than nine times its annual budget, specifically for committing crimes. All of which is to say, if you, like me, fled California for saner pastures, congratulations. If you are still in California and are black, congratulations. And if you are still in California and are one of the people expected to foot this bill, run. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. This episode is brought to you by Good Ranchers, my favorite food company ever. Get great meat at a secure price, an extra 30 bucks off with my code Knowles, goodranchers.com. Use my code Knowles today. Make sure you stock up on that good meat before we descend into World War III. There was a drone strike on the Kremlin. This was an attempted assassination of Vladimir Putin, presumably carried out by the Ukrainians. Who knows with what sort of knowledge of the people who are backing the Ukrainians, who knows how quickly this could hurtle us toward World War III. We will get to that in just a second. First, though, I don't want to move on too quickly. They say that the Sicilians are the black people of Italy, the black people of Europe, really. So especially given that I have been a California resident in my life, I'm just, I want to throw it out there before I come too, down too hard on the reparations issue. Can I, 
I don't even need 1.2 million. If I got half of that, that would be fine. I'd be totally cool with that. So let's just, if we could have the uh, biologists, the uh, genealogists, the accountants, and the lawyers at Daily Wire look into that, I will then give my full opinion on the reparations program. There's one hope for California, a sort of a hope. The one hope is that more people move into California so they can pay more taxes and can foot the bill for the reparations. And there are a lot of new people entering California. The problem is who the people are, because the California residents, they're all fleeing California. The new people who are coming into California are illegal aliens, largely from places like Venezuela, who don't have a lot of money. They don't have trillions of dollars to pay black people for historical sins that never took place in California. So that number that, that we can expect of illegal aliens crossing the border every day, it's gone up. U.S. officials are expecting illegal crossings to surpass 10,000 people per day. To put that in perspective, just a few years ago, I remember I was on the show and there was a huge shocking news story, 2,000 to 3,000 border crossings per day. And this was historic. No one could believe this number. What a crazy surge. Now we're looking at 10,000. The reason for that is Biden wants to end the uh, pandemic era border policy known as Title 42. Title 42, which was a great little turn of Donald Trump, which said, okay, you want to lock the world down because the Wu flu is supposedly the most deadly thing ever in all of human history. That's fine. Then we definitely can't allow all of these illegal aliens to come through, right? And the Libs said, well, no, hold on, wait, no, no, we only want to lock down the Americans. We definitely want to keep flooding the country with the illegal aliens who haven't been tested for the virus. No, that's different. You, you don't get COVID in Venezuela. That's fine. Let them through. Let us get some future voters in here. But the, the Americans, that you, you can't go to church or your grocery store or visit granny in the hospital. But come on, man. So Title 42 is in place. It stemmed the flow a little bit. That's going away on May 11th. And so now agents are already making 6,000 to 8,000 arrests per day. That's just over the past week. That number is expected to jump north of 10,000. I don't want this to be too much of a quantitative show today. I'm not exactly a mathematician, but just by my calculations, 10,000 people a day over the course of a year, that's uh, roughly 3.65 million people per year. And the total U.S. population is what? 320 million, something like that. So, so you're looking at an increase of more than 1% of the total population. You are taking now, on an annual basis, the U.S. population, you're, and, and you're, you're adding 1% to that every single year. And the number of people you're adding, even in proportion to the U.S. population today, seems to be increasing pretty dramatically. You remember when the libs went crazy talking about the evil, awful replacement theory. Remember, that was their meme for a while. They came, they came up with this term. The re, there's the replacement theory and the evil Republicans. They're suggesting that we libs want to replace the U.S. population and import more voters who are more likely to vote for us. Can you believe that crazy racist, anti-Semitic, you're basically Hitler and Nathan Bedford Forrest rolled into one of you ever suggest 
that we want to change the demographics of America. We would never do such a thing. Well, okay, what do you what do you call it? I'll use whatever term you want. I don't know. The, the libs are the ones who introduced me to this term replacement theory. So the libs can give me a new term, whatever the beautiful term is, you tell me what it is. What do you call it when you intentionally import millions and millions of people into the country each year in violation of the country's laws, in violation of the desires of the population of that country, of the citizens? You look at poll after poll, there was very clearly a few years ago, a Harvard-Harris poll that showed that the vast majority of, Amer- of Americans want to drastically reduce not only illegal immigration, but immigration, period. Because we take in 1 million legal immigrants per year. And in addition to that, now we're looking at what? Over 3 million, 3.5 million illegal aliens per year, if these numbers keep up. So now you're talking 4.5, almost 5 million migrants per year in a country of 320 million. What do you call that? I don't know. Libs, you tell me what the term is. Media matters. I know you love watching the show. You're going to give me some advice. What is the term that I'm allowed to use to describe the basic facts that even the Biden administration is admitting, namely that we're importing a significant percentage of our population each year to change the makeup of the citizenry without the consent of the citizens in a supposedly self-governing republic. What do you call that? Whatever you want to call it, you tell me. Let me know. We can start using that. We got to restore some balance to our country. You got to restore some balance to your body. That's why you got to check out Balance of Nature. Right now, go to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Knowles. Living a healthy lifestyle is not always easy, especially when you're always on the go. You need simple, manageable routines to make sure you're getting the proper nutrition every day. That is why I'm a huge fan of Balance of Nature. Balance of Nature fruits and veggies are a great way to make sure you're getting essential nutritional ingredients every single day. Their capsules are packed with 100% whole food that you can take at any time. Balance of Nature uses a cold vacuum process that preserves the natural phytonutrients in whole fruits and vegetables and encapsulates them for easy consumption. Balance of Nature sent a bunch of their products down to the studio for our team to try, and these dirty, rotten jackals over here just gobble them all up. They just, they're with their claws, they just, before anyone else has a chance to get any. That's my only complaint about Balance of Nature, is they allow these jackals at the Daily Wire to get them. Make fruits and veggies a part of your daily diet. Your body will thank you. Go to balanceofnature.com, use promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, for 35% off your first order as a preferred customer. That is balanceofnature.com, promo code Knowles, for 35% off your first order. Speaking of civics, speaking of the way our government works, coincidental with this problem of mass migration, largest movement of human beings in recorded history, that's what's happened into the United States in the last 60 years. Coincidental with this problem of just millions and millions and millions of unassimilated foreigners, you'll notice that according to the education department, American students are losing their knowledge of history and civics. Data from the Department of Education shows that any gains that have been made since the 1990s, so 30 years almost, on eighth grade students' knowledge of history and civics, that's been wiped away. Only about 13% of U.S. eighth graders met proficiency standards for U.S. history. 87% of American eighth graders are are not even what you could say is proficient in U.S. history. And that standard is pretty low 
I'm not saying you need to be a PhD here. It's pretty, you need to know just basic stuff. 87% of U.S. 8th graders do not. That's according to the National Assessment of Educational Progress, sometimes called the Nation's Report Card. How, how many students do you think who took the test were considered advanced in U.S. history? 1%. How many students were proficient or better in civics? About a fifth. 80% of American 8th graders not even proficient in civics, the basic understanding of how the country is supposed to operate. Now, you might say, well, it's just because of the lockdowns and education was hit among American students. Yeah, that's true. But history and civics were the two most dismal subjects, according to the DOE. History and civics scores were, according to Peggy Carr, who's the commissioner of the National Center for Education Statistics, they were, quote, woefully low in comparison to other subjects. You can't really blame COVID for that. You can't even really blame Dr. Fauci for that. I blame Dr. Fauci for all sorts of things, but you can't blame him for that. That's a much bigger problem. How did this terrible accident happen? Seems to me what's most likely is that it's not an accident. Seems to me this is not a bug of our educational system. This is a feature of it. Seems to me that the libs who have targeted and taken over education and who have told us for 100 years, more than 100 years, that they want to take over education because they want to shape the minds of the next generation, that they have intentionally deprived students of a proper education in history and civics. Because if you know the real history of the United States, you're going to be less likely to try to want to revolutionize everything. You're going to feel an attachment to some of the great achievements of American history and Western history more broadly. You're going to be less radical. If you know how our government operates, if you understand civics, you're going to be less likely to want to go along with leftist plans to change the whole thing. Oh no, our national report card gives students an F in history and civics. Yeah, and it gives the radical activists an A+. They've done a great job. They've accomplished exactly what they want to do. Reminds me of that Marco Rubio line, which was so rehearsed and silly that Chris Christie destroyed his presidential, Rubio's presidential campaign by, by doing it. And Rubio said, we, we need to dispel with this fiction that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. It was sad because Rubio didn't have any way to continue speaking about that. He just had the memorized clip, which wrecked his campaign. But the line itself is pretty good. We need to, to quote Rubio, even in, in his silly line that ruined his campaign. We need to dispel with the fiction that the Biden administration doesn't know what it's doing on the border. It knows exactly what it's doing. We need to dispel with the fiction that these educators don't know what they're doing. The people running American education, they know exactly what they're doing, and they are succeeding. And their success is evident in the failure of American students to know anything, especially about their own country. Speaking of education, Kamala Harris is up in arms. Kamala Harris was speaking at some silly event, and she went off on the dismal state of education in America. Not the test scores, not the fact that students don't know anything, but on those evil Republican governors like Ron DeSantis, who are banning books. When we think about where we've been in the last few years in terms of everything from anti-Asian hate crime to what we are looking at in terms of attacks on fundamental freedoms like those that of a woman to make decisions and a person to make decisions about their body, to the attacks we're seeing on voting rights, to the attacks we're seeing on 
on, on LGBTQ and trans folks. The attacks we're seeing where there are literally, can you imagine in this year of our Lord 2023 book bans? I mean, really, like, like what? Book bans. Book bans. Can you, I mean, like, 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 seriously, like what? Like, like book bans? I am so pleased to learn that Vice President Kamala Harris has turned against her party and she has come out in favor of the Bible in schools. That's so great. I'm so happy. She deserves to be applauded for that. See, I assumed Kamala Harris was for some book bans, especially the book ban instituted not only by liberal activists, but by liberal activists on the Supreme Court of the United States that banned the most important book ever written from our schools, the book without which not only will you struggle to know God, but the book without which, even if you were an atheist or something, you couldn't understand pretty much anything about Western civilization, the Bible. And that was banned from schools in the middle of the 20th century. And I'm so pleased to know that Kamala Harris has joined us and she says, we need to put the Bible back in schools. Enough book bans in schools. Right? Right, Kamala? Do you... I mean, she hasn't said that explicitly, but she's against book bans. You'd think she's, well, maybe Kamala Harris is only in favor of banning the books that she wants to ban, but she's against banning the books that we want to ban. And so is it just a matter of preference? You know, like we like the Bible, the libs like gay porn. And so what should the second graders be taught? Well, you know, you have your preferences, I have mine. No, it's, it's worse than that. Everybody supports some kinds of book bans in some kinds of places. Everybody throughout all of human history, including you, including me, including everybody. The question is, what books are we going to ban in what contexts? The question is, let's put it in the other direction, what books are appropriate for, for what kind of contexts? Do, do the, the liberals support teaching strict creationism in biology classes? Oh no, oh you don't? So you, you want to ban those books, is that right? Okay, all right, you want to ban those, that's fine, those are the books that you want to ban. We want to ban gay porn in third grade. Is that, can, are we, well we're not allowed to do that, but you're allowed to ban whatever books you want. The question is not even a matter of preference, the question is what is right and what is true and what is appropriate at different grade levels. And the conservative view is, yeah, good books, like, I don't know, the book that's called The Good Book, that probably has a, a place in, in schools. A gay porn, that's a bad book. That doesn't have a place in any grade, but certainly not in elementary school, but really just not in any grade. And what the liberals want to do, like Kamala Harris, what they want to do is they want to ban all the good books and the true books and the beautiful books and the books that are edifying and will educate you. And they want to replace them with books that will damage your education, books that are ugly, books that are obscene, books that are profane, books that teach falsehoods. That's what they want. Which, which are we going to ban? Which is it? You know, this is a topic I take on in my book. Speechless, controlling words, controlling minds. Nice job, fellas. Nice job. That's 
the kind of information kids are getting in schools. Now, speaking of information, huge story about the mainstream media and what's going on after the firing of Tucker Carlson. First, though, you're going to want to make sure that you've got a lot of iron pumping through your veins, that you're, you're feeling really good, very healthy. That's why you got to check out Good Ranchers. Right now, go to GoodRanchers.com. Use promo code Knowles. If you are not buying your meat from my friends at Good Ranchers, you need to make the switch today. You can get $30 off your order of fantastic American meat right now when you use code Knowles at Good Ranchers today. You order today, you will also be entered to win an all-expenses-paid trip to the Indy 500, complete with VIP suite tickets, tastings of America's finest meats, and the chance to meet your favorite Indy drivers. Okay, enough about cars. I just love the company. I just, like I love the promos, they're cool. I love the guys who run the company. But most of all, I love the meat. Good Ranchers has the best meat out there. All-natural burgers, USDA prime steaks, better than organic chicken have changed my standard for great meat. I didn't know you could order this kind of meat. Uh, you can, only with Good Ranchers. Promo code Knowles, get an extra 30 bucks off your order. That was about two or three nights ago. I come home, sweet little Elise had made this delicious, juicy burger with their delicious Wagyu blend. And it was, it's just all magnificent. GoodRanchers.com. Use my code Knowles for 30 bucks off your box order. Delicious American meat, 30 bucks off your order, plus a chance to win a trip to the Indy 500. Promo code Knowles at GoodRanchers.com. GoodRanchers.com. American meat delivered. You know, when leftists tell you America is systemically racist, they're lying. Well, they're telling the truth about certain racial groups, but not the ones that they're telling you about. Heather McDonald is shutting down the malig- malignant rather, ideology of anti-racism in her brand new book, When Race Trumps Merit, How the Pursuit of Equity Sacrifices Excellence, Destroys Beauty, and Threatens Lives. She exposes how the BLM-fueled equity obsession is destroying Western civilization. We no longer enforce many criminal laws because doing so has a, quote, disparate impact on minority criminals. But lowering standards, Heather explains, jeopardizes scientific progress, destroys public order, and poisons the appreciation of art and culture. This book is a must-read for anyone who is concerned about the present state of the country and worried for the future. When Race Trump's Merit is available on Amazon or wherever books are sold, we will be having Heather on for our member block. Heather is one of my absolute favorite writers and just people in public life around today, so be sure to stick around for it. Speaking of the dissemination of information, the ratings are in for Fox News post-Tucker Carlson. Some of us had said, you know, guys, if you lose Tucker Carlson, especially after some of the issues that Fox News has had in recent years, you might lose a lot of your audience. But the Fox executives who canned Tucker, they thought, nah, we don't need Tucker. Tucker's nothing. We made him. We can make another Tucker. It's no big deal. This was the thesis in Politico. So another part of the liberal establishment, they said, the star is not Tucker Carlson. The star is Fox News. And as evidence, a lot of people pointed to the firing of Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly was fired. He was the biggest name in cable news. And then they just, they figured it out. Actually, Tucker replaced him and Tucker did a great job there. Yeah, this was a little different though. There were a lot of long-standing public, all sorts of allegations against Bill O'Reilly. And so even if Fox execs wanted him out for totally different reasons, they could at least point to that. They could say, well, we're getting him out because of these lawsuits and we're getting him out because of this misconduct, whatever. They couldn't do that with Tucker. 
They've tried to do that with the Dominion lawsuit, defamation case against Fox News. Said, well, we had to get rid of Tucker because we paid out a lot of money to Dominion. That didn't make a lot of sense because there were other hosts on Fox who went much further on election fraud claims than Tucker ever did. So it didn't, didn't work. They just got rid of Tucker, it seems, because he was too independent and conservative and bold. So what are the ratings? Tucker without Fox, or Fox rather, without Tucker. 5 p.m., 2.72 million viewers. 6 p.m., 1.89 million viewers. 7 p.m., 2.04 million viewers. 8 p.m., that's Tucker's slot. 1.48 million viewers, not even one and a half million viewers. Tucker, for comparison, averaged 3 million viewers a night at 8 o'clock. That audience got cut by more than half. What a lot of people were predicting. Then even at 9 p.m., 1.91 million. That's Hannity. 10 p.m., 1.67 million. So the Tucker hour was cut by more than half. And the later hours lost at least a quarter of their viewers. What's going on here? This is less like the Fox firing of Bill O'Reilly and more like Bud Light putting Dylan Mulvaney on a beer can. That's what this is. It looks like the audience is turning. A lot of corporations take their audience for granted. This is especially true in cable. It's not just a Fox problem. It's true of a lot of TV channels because you just have it on. The way TV works is you just leave it on and it's just on kind of in the background all day long. So it's not as active on streaming, on podcasts, on YouTube. It's very active. You seek out the information. You, the video's over. You're done. You move on to some, maybe a different channel. TV is not like that. So for people to actively turn off the channel means that people are asserting themselves. Same with Bud Light. No one, no one ever really deeply desires a Bud Light. It's just kind of there. It's at a frat party. It's at uh, some other kind of party, it's at a bar, and you just think, okay, it's cheap light beer, ah, whatever, give me a Bud Light. That's why it's the most po- it was the most popular beer in America. To get people to change requires seriously pissing them off, <laughs> for, for lack of a more eloquent phrase. And that's what Bud Light did. And that's what Fox News did here. And it's a story about the people, too, who are saying, you can't push us around anymore. This is a bridge too far. I think the transgender movement really was a line in the sand for a lot of people. They said, look, we'll put up with a lot of stuff. You can call us racist. You can call us sexist. You can say America's evil. You can take our money. You can take our power. You can flood the country with foreigners. You can, man, what, we're chopping off the genitals of kids now. No, nope, I'm done. I'm out. Sorry. No more Bud Light. No, more, what? You're getting rid of the one prominent, independent, conservative guy on cable? Uh, uh, No, that's a bridge too far, okay? And there are alternatives. Not just alternatives in the media. There is an alternative economy that is popping up, happens to be led by a certain lowercase g, lowercase gay god king around here, Jeremy Boring, who says, no, Harry's wants to trans everybody. Okay, I'll buy Jeremy's razors. Boom, we become a major razor company in the country. Oh, Hershey's wants to trans the kids or whatever. Um, no, what with Jeremy's chocolates, we're going to sell 50 tons of chocolate. Okay. It's called an alternative economy. Now you're seeing copycats, people who are copying the Jeremy's commercial almost shot for shot. In a way, that's a great thing. It's a great thing because it means that not only do conservatives want an alternative, but they're willing to stake their money on an alternative. They're, they're willing to actually act on it. That's new. Speaking of Tucker, we have our daily Tucker leak 
Are you guys ready for our daily, this is it, drip, drip, drip from the people who wanted to fame Tucker and ruin his his, uh, reputation. So what have they got today? Well, that was a week, I'll say. (laughs) Holy (laughs) s***. Ten hours. That slimy little mother sitting across from me. Oh, you're the best. And I wasn't talking about you. It's just the opposite. You seem to be a complex. No, I'm not. What do you mean? Because you've never been this affirmed in your life? <laughs> I bet He's getting Thank the, you, the Alex. makeup Have artist is handing weekend. him his, his uh, face wipes. See, man. Um, the amount, uh, it was so unhealthy, the hate. Thank you, Teresa. The hate that I felt for that guy. I mean, thank you, Todd. I, I... How yeah. could you not? I, well, I never feel that way, you know, because I don't put myself, I don't want to feel that way. I think it's wrong. It's bad. It's totally bad for you to feel that way. But that guy, I mean, he triggered the s*** out of me. <laughs> He's talking about the lawyer for Dominion. Where are you now? Where do you live? <laughs> <laughs> He's going, He's saying, this guy's asking me where I live. He's trying to accuse me of tax evasion. He, this guy. But the way he's talking about it, he's saying, I'm so angry. I was so filled with hatred, but he's laughing. He's joking with his multiple staff members all around him. He's being very polite to them. Oh, thank you so much. I know I'm affirming you, but not you. I'm not affirming you. He, he, but oh, that guy. And it's not healthy for me. I don't want to be filled with hate, but that guy is threatening me. Oh, can you believe this guy's what a week? Every single leak intended to destroy Tucker makes him look cooler and more likable. Every single one. I can't wait for the next one. Whoever is leaking these things, it seems like there's only one entity that could be leaking them, but whoever's leaking them to Media Matters, it seems like we're going to get tomorrow, it's going to be Media Matters breaking, exclusive, exclusive coverage of Tucker Carlson violating traffic laws. Oh yeah, he's never going to recover from this. And then they're going to, it's going to be a picture of him looking like James Dean on a motorcycle or something. That's what they're going to do. I typed that into mid-journey, the AI program. I just said, Tucker Carlson looking cool on a motorcycle or something like that. And it pops up. That's going to be it. That's the effect of every single one of these leaks. Oh, yeah. Tucker's never going to recover from this. He jokes around with his staff, which really likes him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tucker, he, they got Tucker now. Tucker is thoughtful about the way that the mass media impel people to wrath and rage. And he's thoughtful about that and tries to resist it. That they've got him now. <laughs> Keep it up. You're going to make Tucker Carlson the king of all media. They're gonna, he's going to become the chairman of the board at News Corporation if, if they keep up leaks like this. Now, speaking of these really, really backwards, self-undermining campaigns that we've seen against Tucker and specifically that we've seen with Bud Light, Bud Light is getting real desperate. They tried, what did they try? They tried to defend the Dylan Mulvaney can. Then they tried to kind of backtrack a little, but not really. They didn't, they put out that apology letter from the CEO, but it wasn't an apology. Just a guy saying like, I support the military. Bud Light is American. It's good. Then they did a commercial about horses or something. Then, but then they did, they tried to pin it on this marketing VP and they put her on leave. But then, so what are they doing now? Bud Light is sending free beer to every wholesale employee. <laughs> Bud Light is reportedly sending a free case of beer to every employee of its wholesaler network. That's a lot of people. 
In part, I think they're doing this because they don't know what to do with all the beer. They've got too much beer because people aren't buying it anymore because their sales have not only declined dramatically, but they are continuing to decline more and more and more. And why do they have to do this? Why do they have to now just bribe employees with free beer to try to get them to drink what most people now consider to be not only swill, which it always was, but unacceptably leftist, aggressive, harmful swill? Why? Because that VP of marketing, Alyssa Heinerscheid, not only pushed the campaign with the prominent and particularly offensive transvestite on the can of beer, but because she said this on camera. We need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. And my, what I brought to that was a belief in, okay, what is, what, do, what does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men. Mm-hmm. And representation is at sort of the heart of evolution. You've got to see people who reflect you in the work. And we had this hangover. I mean, Bud Light had been kind of a brand of fratty, kind of out of touch humor. And it was really important <laughs> that we had another approach. That That's why you saw the backlash. It actually, I don't think, I don't think it was Dylan Mulvaney. I don't think it was the one can. They didn't even distribute the can. They didn't sell it. They just sent this guy one can of beer. That would have been annoying. People wouldn't have liked that. Maybe some people would have stopped drinking Bud Light for that. But no, the, the reason that Bud Light is just collapsing as a company right now, went from the most popular beer in America to now they can't give this, this stuff away, is because for the first time, we got to see what these executives really think of us wasn't quite the first time. We've seen what Disney executives think of us, or at least we've seen what Disney executives want to do. They say, we're going to push a not-so-secret gay agenda. But I guess for the first time, we saw an executive at one of these companies really describing how little they think of us, the customer. But we had this hangover. We had this yucky, fratty, totally out-of-touch hangover. And the hangover was the customer's. That's what they think. Yeah. Oh, you people are so disgusting. I mean, we'll take your money. Your money's green as anybody's, but you're deplorable. You're irredeemable. You're disgusting. Ugh. Oh, I'd, I'd much rather spend time with transvestites. Ugh. Especially the ones who insist on going to the girls' bathroom and just mock women on TikTok every day. But you, you regular blue collar worker, you normal frat guy, oh, you're gross. Ugh. Now, give me your money. Well, now we saw it. We saw what they think, and that was a bridge too far. We could at least previously just fool ourselves into thinking, well, maybe the the executives are out of touch. We're not the ones out of touch, obviously. We know that men are men and women are women and babies are babies, and we know normal stuff. But these executives, yeah, maybe they're just a little bit out of touch, but they don't really hate us. But they do. (laughs) They do. Listen to the way she's talking about her customers. And the customers are saying, okay, you don't like me. You don't need us. You don't need our money either. My favorite comment yesterday is from Dominic Zelenak, who says, things begin to make sense when you realize that our country is run by Disney adults. So true. So true. Our country is run 
by overgrown children who they, they just never got past even some of the earliest stages of maturity. This is one of the problems facing Europe. The fact that, and this was especially true a few years ago, most European leaders didn't have any kids. Isn't that kind of weird when the leader of your country, when the stewards of the future of your civilization don't have any direct skin in the game? They don't have a next generation? That probably doesn't bode well for your civilization. It's the same thing here. When kids behave like children, that's really charming. That's great. We like that. It's childlike. When adults behave like children, that's not good. That's wrong. That's inappropriate. That's childish. That's why we have different words to describe those things. And we have childish people running our country, running our, not just our government, running our corporations, running our schools, running all of it. That's that's an inversion. And they always say, they'll learn from the children out of the mouth of babes. Well, I, I could learn a lot more from a child acting like a child than from an adult acting like a child. And it's the latter that's running the country. Probably doesn't bode well for world stability and peace. You're seeing this now coming out of the Kremlin. There was a drone attack on the Russian government. It was apparently an attempted assassination of Vladimir Putin, who carried it out. Presumably Ukraine. I don't think the... Um, I don't know, the Argentinians. I don't think the Argentinians have any big problem with Vladimir Putin, right? I don't think it was uh, Djibouti that was really upset. No, it's Ukraine and the pro-Ukraine forces. But what is Ukraine in this war over Ukraine? This is at the very least a proxy war between Russia, which invaded Ukraine, and Ukraine's biggest backer, which is the United States and NATO and the West broadly. The war is largely over the territorial and resource conflict of interests between the West, led by America, and Russia. And Russia has said increasingly that this is no longer just a a proxy sort of cold war, but it's a hot war between the U.S. and Russia because we're supplying the weapons. We're quite involved in what's going on in Ukraine. So then the question becomes, Were we involved in this attempted drone attack? I'm not saying that we are. I don't. I, probably, if we were involved, it would have worked. <laughs> so I'm somewhat skeptical that we were particularly involved. But this is really dangerous stuff. You're now talking about the side of the war that the United States is on, and in many ways leading. Just tried to assassinate the leader, the 20-plus-year leader of a nuclear former superpower at the seat of government. World War I started because an archduke took a wrong turn and a random anarchist shot him. World War I, one of the bloodiest, most devastating conflicts ever started because of that. Our leaders, our incompetent, uneducated, feckless, stupid leaders are zombie walking us into potentially World War III if we aren't in it already. What are we going to do about that? Well, the leading presidential candidate for the Republicans says that he's going to end the war in one day. If I 
were president, and I say this, I will end that war in one day. It'll take 24 hours. I know Zelensky well. I know Putin well. I would get that ended in a period can, of 24. You can break that deal. 100%. It would be easy. That deal would be easy. A lot of it has to do with the money. A lot of it has to do with the military, you know, that yeah. we're giving. But I would get that deal done within 24 hours. That war has to be stopped. That war is a disaster. Yeah. So people are going to say, well, this is just typical Trumpian braggadocio. Me, listen, I'm the only one who can fix anything, and I'm the greatest, and I'll just talk to people, and I'll cut a deal. It's the art of the deal. And they're going to make fun of him for that. The reason it's going to be hard to make fun of him for that, though, is that he has a record. He has been the president. And the place where he perhaps most shined as president was foreign policy. Donald Trump is the only president on whose watch Vladimir Putin has not invaded a, a neighboring country in 25 years, right? In, since George W. Bush, Putin invades Georgia, Barack Obama, Putin invades Crimea, Trump, Putin just kind of stays still. He's still got part of Ukraine, but he just kind of stays still. Biden, he invades more of Ukraine. So he's got a good record on this particular issue. He's got a good record in the Middle East. Goodness sakes, the man basically brought peace to the Middle East. He destroyed ISIS. He got the, the Arabs and the Israelis sitting down and talking to each other. Iran didn't develop a nuclear weapon on his watch. Pretty good. He got NATO to start paying more for their own defense. He got China to come to the table on trade. He renegotiated NAFTA, renegotiated immigration policy such that one had to apply for citizenship in the first country one got to, and a country before they got to the United States if they were fleeing places like Guatemala and Honduras and El Salvador and the rest. He was a great foreign policy president. And so his promise here carries a fair bit of weight. Presidential elections often are not based on foreign policy. It, people just don't care about it that much. It's kind of complicated. The sides are a little murkier. If we're on the brink of World War III, foreign policy is going to play a much greater role in the election. And that is going to bode well, very well for Trump, certainly against Joe Biden. It also bodes well for him against his Republican primary rivals. Nikki Haley has foreign policy experience. But her foreign policy experience was working for Trump, implementing the Trump policy. So he, he can check her on that. And also her polling is just nowhere near Trump's right now. So he's not going to worry about her as, as much of a threat. Pompeo's out. So he's the other guy with foreign policy experience. Cruz has some foreign policy experience. He's out. Who is it? Well, his, his only real rival at the moment is Ron DeSantis. And Ron DeSantis, no knock on him, but he was a member of Congress and then governor of Florida. He doesn't really have foreign policy experience. So World War III, not great for all of us, could be great news, however, for uh, Donald Trump. And if he wins, it could be great news for all of us because he, more than just about anybody I can think of, would be able to stop it. There's a really important story I want to get to. I guess we're going to have to hold it for tomorrow, but I just... I'll tease it for you, okay? I'll just let you ruminate on how this could be possible all night to tell you where our leaders are right now, what kind of people are running our country. A woman 
is claiming that she knew that her daughter was actually a boy because the daughter, when she was a little girl, ate green vegetables. And she said she knew, she saw that the daughter was eating green vegetables, and this made clear to her that she was desperate to transition to become a boy. And the crazy part is not that some fringe lunatic lady was abusing her child, willfully or unwillfully. The crazy part is that as she's giving this testimony, people take her seriously. That kind of view is now the national policy. We'll get to that in just, just one moment, one brief moment between now and tomorrow. Before that, though, it's time for the member block, and it's time to bring on my friend, Heather McDonald, with a great new book, When Race Trumps Merit. The rest of the show continues now. You do not want to miss it. Become a member and use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S at checkout for two months free on all annual plans.